This program is brought to you by the Living Church Boise. This is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM 94.1 The Voice. God is not against being wealthy. God is not against money. It's the love for money that's the root of all evil. And Solomon's saying, dude, there's a grievous evil that I've seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owners to his hurt. They begin to hoard it. The more you have, the more you can, the more you can get hurt by holding it and holding on to it. Um, a few verses in case you're wondering about wealth and you're a person that's an entrepreneur. You want to start a business and you're like, man, I, I, I want to make a million dollars in my lifetime. God is not against that. God is not against you actually wanting to grow a business. You wanting to be um, you know, uh, productive in what you do. This is actually a good thing. God rejoices in that. Let me give you a few scriptures for that. Okay, Deuteronomy 8, it says, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives power to get wealth. It's he who gives power to get wealth. God is not against you being wealthy. Proverbs chapter 14, it says, In all labor there's profit, but idle chatter leads to poverty. In all labor there's profit. God wants us to be profitable in what we do. It says in Proverbs chapter 10, um, verse 4, the, land, the hand of the diligent makes rich. Proverbs 13, verse 4, The soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Hard, diligent work is praised and God enables us to be productive. But some people, they make money and wealth the be all and end all of life and they will do anything to get a hold of it and anything to get more of it now in every message I, I would love to share the gospel right and at this point I want to remind you that maybe once again maybe money is not your thing but it could be something else and you know the biggest problem with running after material things to find satisfaction you do not know what it looks like to be satisfied in Jesus this is where it really boils down to those things you run after unbelievers, people who don't know Jesus, that is their God. They, they don't say in God we trust, they say in the mighty dollar we trust. They make money their place of refuge, their comfort. They make the material things what brings them solace in times of stressful uh, shaking and storms. You know, many people even in these tough times, have not come to Jesus. Why? Because they still have a lot of money in their bank balance. They, a lot of them hoarded toilet paper and toothpaste, and so they didn't see a need to come to Jesus. And many times as believers, you and me, please listen to me, it's very possible for us to make material comforts our God. It's quite possible that you don't worship in spirit and in truth and cry out to God like you used to do before because you're living a comfortable life. And those material things has become your comfort and your God. There was one time in my life when um, I was really tired and I was, I was really grumpy. I was having a bad day. I just finished mowing the lawn and I was sweaty and hot and I went to the fridge to open the fridge to drink a cold beer. Ooh, pastor drinking a beer. Yeah, I enjoy a nice cold porter. So I opened the fridge to, to get a beer and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, listen, I'm your comforter. You shouldn't be drinking this right now sit in the front porch, enjoy the freshly mowed lawn and talk to me. And so I went sat over there, the smell of beautiful grass, just sat there and just prayed, talked to, talk to God. And the comfort that he brought was beautiful. And, and I've, I've always gone back to that lesson and asked myself, how many times do I make material things my comfort, the material positions, my place of solitude? Maybe, maybe you're a guy who's really, you know, you have all these friends and people love you. Are you making that your God? Are you making that what makes you sleep well at night knowing that next day people are still going to love you are you making your spouse your God your children your God your job your God your house your God and Solomon says listen man if you do that you're going to hurt yourself because the more you hurt hoard the more opportunities for it to break because nothing is worth leaning on nothing is worth leaning on but Jesus Christ you and I have been through times when friends have let you down 
You and me have been through times when money has let you down, when your job has let you down. Let's not make those same mistakes again of leaning on those, but let's only lean on Jesus Christ. And if you're an unbeliever over here who's never given your life to Christ, what I'm telling you today will not make sense to you because you worship the mighty dollar. That is where your solitude comes from. You think you're blessed. You think that your fate is well because you have a good job or you, you have a good health, but that's God's blessings in your life. And we easily cannot learn to rejoice in God's blessings and, and, and not look at it as God's blessings and it will turn into a curse. Let's keep moving on. Solomon continues to say, money doesn't make you secure. Only Jesus can make you secure. The more you have, the more you have to lose. The bigger the house, the more chances of something breaking, right? In fact, I told you this earlier, when that heavy wind blew, what, two days ago? Thought did cross my mind. Because we got some, like, these old big trees over here, and I was like, man, if that tree does fall, it's going to, you know, leave a huge dent in my roof. And uh, bigger the house, bigger the damage when, when, tri when times of trouble come, and bigger the bills you have to pay. And Solomon says in verse 14, and those riches were lost in a battle. That this person was holding the riches, trying to hold on to it as much as he can with his claws dug in and those riches were lost in a bad venture it doesn't tell us how maybe it was a bad investment um, maybe some guy with smooth talk you know came and, and caused this guy to invest in a stupid business and it was all gone and, it, and he's a father of a son but he has nothing in his hand he has nothing to give into the next generation as, as quickly as he held on to it it was gone a failed business a bad investment First um, Timothy chapter 6 verse 9 it says but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation into a snare into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction I'm sure you've come across people maybe you're that person there was a, a huge loss in their business or you know the economy failed and they killed themselves or they, they got this crazy disease because of their stress. They had to keep going seeing a counselor because they had to be on antidepressants because they lost all that money. And what Solomon's saying is, money doesn't make you secure. And you can try and hold it and hold on to it, but you will lose it. And then he says, even if you don't lose it in a bad business deal because you're like, oh, Joel, you don't know me. I'm a smart business guy. Well, check this out. This, the, the next thing he says is, dude, you're not going to find satisfaction money because when you die, guess how much you're going to take with you? That's right, nothing. So if you don't lose it here on this earth, you are going to lose it when you breathe your last. Steve Jobs, when he died, um, it says that his net worth was $10.2 billion. Take a wild guess how much he took with him to the grave. Nothing. Now, I'm not saying Steve Jobs was a hoarder, but I'm just saying, trying to make the point that no matter how much you think that you're gaining in this life, no matter how much you think, man, look at my beautiful car, look at my beautiful house, look at my beautiful family, dude, one day you're going to breathe your last. And all the satisfaction you got from this, it's not going to count to anything. Verse 15, as he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again. Naked as he came, he shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. Like the good old country song goes, right? There's no trailer hitch on a hearse. Uh, it's not going to happen. You're not going to take anything to your grave. First um, Timothy chapter 6, verse 7 says, For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. And Solomon says, This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Do you see the tug of war? I really want to work hard. I want to be productive. I want to enjoy things that God's given me. On the other hand, boy, it's so easy to lose these things. 
the, the title that, we, that again, don't forget what we're talking about. God has given us blessings and we need to learn to recognize them and appreciate them and then we'll begin to see the paradise that God has for us. But Solomon's walking us through things that we should not be investing in and doing. Otherwise, we end up completely misreading the blessings that God's given us. This is the last thing he says. He says, not only will you never have enough, the more you get, the more you will lose. Say goodbye to your sleep. He says, you'll end up hurting yourself. He says, money will not make you secure. He says, you'll have to leave it all behind. And finally, he says, you will be a miserable person. You'll be a miserable person. Hey man, maybe you've been going to bed tossing and turning and not being able to find enough sleep. Your dark circles are getting darker. Maybe you've been snapping at your kids and at your spouse and you're throwing dishes at the sink now because you're just mad, you're angry. You know where it's coming from. It could be that you're embracing material things and not really looking at the blessings that God's given you and being able to recognize the paradise that God has for you. And Solomon says, you will be a miserable person. Verse 17, Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness, in much vexation, in much pain, and sickness and anger. If that describes your life, I want to tell you that God does have a cure for you once again to be able to look at the world around you and recognize the paradise that he's created for you. There's a story told by Tolstoy um, with a title called How Much Land Does a Man Need? It's a crazy story. Um, it's a story about a farmer. Again, it's just a story. It's like a parable about a farmer who wanted a tiny piece of land and the devil overhears this, this wish that he, that he has and the devil gives him a bigger piece of land than he wanted and hoped for and dissatisfaction, discontentment sets in and he wanted a bigger piece of land and so he ends up trading this and he trades it and he trades it and this goes on till the man dies in his quest for a huge chunk of land. And the story ends with these very poignant words as um, the servant is burying him and he responds to the question which is the title of the story, how much land does a man need? And he says six feet from his head to his heels was all he needed. But all his days this man eats in darkness, in much vexation and sickness and anger, wanting more, wanting more, wanting more. I don't know where you fall into these many categories, but I'm sure that there's something over there that will hit into the core of our being, whether it's you trying to grasp satisfaction with material things, wanting more, being sleepless at nights because you're unable to trust your eternal, sovereign, loving God. Maybe you're hurting yourself, trying to hold on to the little that you have and fighting for it. Um, maybe you're trying to find material things to make you secure and sometimes the harsh reality knowing that you will lose it and one day when you're gone in the grave it's going to be gone you can't take it with you and maybe that's why you're living as a miserable person what's the cure then how can we recognize the paradise that God's got for us so that we can enjoy the blessings that God's given us Solomon says priorities will preserve you having the right priorities will preserve you Oftentimes we don't think about when we pray, even I, I, I fall into the sky, there's a new lesson that I've learned, okay? Often every day, every day, I pray, God, whatever blessing you have for me that's in my name, I want it. Pour it out, multiply it, shake and pressed. I want it all. And if others don't want their blessing, I'll take their share too. Okay, I don't know if it's a selfish prayer or not. Just huge prayer of faith. <laughs> but here's something that God's been teaching me this week. He says, don't ask for more, but ask God to give you the eyes to recognize what He's already given you. Oftentimes, we don't pray for the ability and the grace to embrace the blessing that God's already given you. And God has not listened to me very carefully. We're coming to a close. Give me 10 minutes. 
God will not give you more if you first and foremost don't recognize and appreciate what God's already given you. If you're not appreciating the car that you drive, God's not going to give you another one. If you're not appreciating the job and doing it as unto the Lord, as worship, God's not going to give you a promotion. If you're not appreciative of the food that God's given you, God's not going to bless you with more. And oftentimes we're like, God bless me more, God bless me more, God bless me more. And then we run in our own flesh, in our own strength to hoard up our resources. And then we plaster God's name out and be like, well, God bless me, brother. And then when you're an idiot and you lose all that money, you blame God's sovereignty. No, no, no. There's also something called man's stupidity too. Okay, not just God's sovereignty, but God also gives us a choice of saying, God, give me the ability now and the grace in your eyes and your love to be able to recognize friends as a blessing, to be able to recognize my spouse as a blessing, to be able to recognize my paycheck as a blessing, and then to be able to see your hand in it all. Look at this verse 18. Behold, what I've seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun, the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. I really pray and hope the next time you're eating a meal that is fantastic, you will clap your hands and rejoice and be like, God, thank you for this paradise that you created for me. Thank you. Like, like, like David writes, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When we as a sheep complain, and are asking for more without being satisfied with what he's placed in front of us, we're demeaning and disrespecting our shepherd. And many of us live this way, man. You drive your car and you hate it. I'm sorry, I'm going back to my own examples. I haven't spoken to you guys. I drive my car and I'm like, you know what? A new car will be good. A faster one. You know, something with all-wheel drive so I don't spin out in the wintertime. God's like, man, be satisfied with what you have. You've got a great car, right? You know what? Maybe, you know, this, a new phone, right? Maybe... You know, a different meal. When my wife has cooked this, maybe a steak, filet mignon. Hmm. Why does Gordon Ramsay have to eat all the good food? God's like, man, rejoice in what I've given you. What I've seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil. Here's a very practical lesson, okay? Whatever you do after we're done this, when I say amen, I gave you a homework last week and I know you guys failed. You didn't do it. No, maybe you did. I told you five things that God has put right under you that you don't recognize as a blessing. Please, I beg you, do it. Because God will not give us more if you don't already appreciate what He's given you. Whether it's food, whether it is a mm, beautiful glass of wine with your meal. Don't get drunk and abuse it. That's just stupid because alcohol is addicting. But these are the blessings that God's given us. With the friends, man. When you're hanging out with friends, tell them, like, dude, this is so glad I get to hang out with you. You're a blessing in my life. It's really great when I pause to think about the blessings in my life. And realizing how much I've failed in recognizing the blessing that God's given. This is a very new lesson to me. In fact, I wanted to call this message, Batteries Not Included. That's all the time we have for today, but we would like to hear from you. Our address is P.O. Box 2014, Eagle, Idaho, 83616. You can also listen to this message and more on the Living Church Boise app, available in your app store.